Hey Super Friends, my name is Neil and welcome to this episode 68 of the Get Your Comic Con podcast. We're here fortnightly-ish to bring you a slice of film, TV and pop culture goodness from our studio direct to your speakers. I am surprisingly not joined by my very own boy Wonder Martin this week. For those of you who follow us on social media, you will notice that uh, it was his birthday at the weekend, so I have given him the week off. But never fear, because I'm joined by not one, but two guests this week in the form of Catwoman Hunted writer Greg Wiseman and voice actor Zira Fazal. Boy Wonder will be back next episode. I've not fired him, so please don't worry. So let's just get on with the news. Since we last podcasted, it's been confirmed that Star Trek Picard will return for Season 2 on Paramount Plus on Thursday, March the 3rd, 2022. Subsequently, Prime Video has confirmed that the series will return to international markets the following day, so Friday, March the 4th. As with Season 1, Season 2 is 10 episodes long and will roll out weekly, premiering in international markets the following day. So we've got a brand new trailer, which gives us a massive new glimpse into this season. So we get to see plenty of this alternate timeline, this strange future that Picard finds himself in. And we finally get our first look at Whoopi Goldberg returning as the much-loved Guinan from Star Trek The Next Generation. This trailer is huge. There's so much to unpack in it that it could quite easily probably be its own podcast. I meant to do a YouTube video on it, but unfortunately I haven't had time to get around to it. Uh, but there's just there's so much. There's new Starfleet ships. There's all the different uniforms that appear from the different versions of this timeline. There's present day for, for us, present day, as they're running around what looks like kind of LA today, or at least a very near future version of, t- of today. There's just, there's a lot going on here, and we still don't have a huge amount of context to understand what it is that's going on and how Q is involved in this. Uh, so it's, it's just going to be so exciting. Um, the series will be returning, as I said, on March the 4th here in the UK. I haven't seen any of it yet. I'm waiting to get my hands on it, but we will be bringing you plenty of coverage on Star Trek Picard Season 2 once it is available. And speaking of Star Trek, there was a huge update that went along with the announcement of Picard's premiere date. It's been confirmed that Star Trek Discovery, uh, which returns later in February for the the second half of Season 4, has been renewed for a fifth season. This fifth season will consist of 10 episodes. The current season, Season 4, is going to have 13 episodes. Seasons in the past have been a little bit longer. Cutting Discovery down to 10 episodes brings it in line with all of the other shows, so Lower Decks, Picard, Strange New Worlds, they're all 10 episode seasons, so Disco is falling in line with everything else. Uh, So we didn't get news that Picard has been renewed for season 3, but that is now being discussed openly that that is the case. Season 3 is in production at the moment as we speak, and will probably be launching next year, so around the same time as now, but 2023. Then there was also the news that Star Trek Strange New Worlds, the series which will focus on Captain Pike, played by Anson Mount, and also featuring uh, Rebecca Romain as uh, number one and Ethan Peck as Spock, will premiere on May the 5th, 2022, and has officially been renewed for a second season. Now this will probably come to Paramount Plus in the UK. We're still waiting for the final announcement as to when Paramount Plus will launch here, but it's expected to arrive sometime early in the first quarter of the year, meaning that... Whilst Picard will still air on Prime, Strange New Worlds will most likely come to Paramount Plus for us, but we'll keep you posted. So that series will begin most likely the same day, or the same week at least, that the the season 2 finale of Picard airs. 
There was also the news that Season 3 of Star Trek Lower Decks will premiere in summer. That will most likely be August, as it's generally been August when the previous two seasons have aired. That has officially also been renewed for a Season 4, which will air in 2023. Don't forget that we also have uh, one episode left of Star Trek Prodigy in its first 10-episode block. Well, its second 5-episode block, but they're splitting the season into two 10-episode blocks overall. It will then return later this year for a second block of 10 episodes, but no confirmation yet as to when that will be. It is just going to be later this year. DC Comics has announced an exciting new series set in the world of the CW's Arrowverse. Earth Prime will bring the superheroes of the CW's hit shows direct to comic books for a special new crossover event. The creative minds behind each of the CW's DC shows are coming together to help bring this series. It's a three-month, six-issue event which is set entirely in the universe of the shows, and it does involve creative teams from across them, and it does say in this press release that it is canon to the show's storyline. So these could be stories that could be referenced or have an impact on the stories in the main shows. So Earth Prime issue one uh, is set in the world of uh, the CW's Batwoman. And Ryan Wilder, aka Batwoman, makes her costumed comic debut in a story co-written by the series writers Natalie Abrams and Kelly Larson, plus series cast member Cameron Johnson, who you'll know as Luke Fox Batwing. Art in this issue is by Clayton Henry. Uh, ever since the tech that created many of Batman's rogues hit the streets, Ryan Wilder has been running herself ragged trying to contain the new villains popping up around Gotham City. But when Clayface, making his CW debut, uh, when his mud brings uh, binds itself to a local high schooler, Batwoman will need the help from an unexpected source to contain this muddy foe. Also, follow how Luke Fox balances his life as a superhero and a boyfriend. Now, he doesn't have a romantic entanglement in the show, but they have hinted at a relationship between him and Mary, who is now no longer Poison Ivy, so maybe that's going to pick up in some upcoming episodes. The second issue of Earth Prime will focus on the world of Superman and Lois, and comes from series writer Adam Mallinger, Jai Jamison, and Andrew Wong, and they join fan-favourite artists Tom Grummet and Norm Rapmund. Trying to celebrate their marital bliss is never easy when you're a superhero husband and news reporter wife, especially when world-saving and creating hard-hitting stories continue to spoil your plans. Plus, this issue will reveal the true origins of the evil Superman from John Henry Iron's world. Both of these issues feature cover art by Kim Jacinto and will feature photo-variant covers based on each of the individual shows. Subsequent issues will spotlight DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Stargirl and The Flash all written or co-written by creative talent from the shows. So the first issue, he says, scrambling through the press release, is going to release on April the 5th. Uh, that's both in comic shops and on digital. And the second issue, the Superman and Lois issue, will release on April the 19th. You can head over to our website, which is www.getyourcomicon.co.uk, so that you can check out some of the preview art from this show. Both of the covers that have been revealed look absolutely fantastic, and I'm really excited to see how some of the characters who are original to the TV series cross over into the comics. It's going to be really cool to see the two kind of mutually working together to tell stories. So it's a really exciting one. Uh, if you're interested in this and want to get more information, also head over to dccomics.com for more. 
The publisher has also revealed a brand new prelude to the Flash movie called The Flash, The Fastest Man Alive. The three-part series ties in directly to the story of the upcoming film, which is due in cinemas in November. Uh, It will begin releasing with its first issue on April the 26th and features a story from writer Kenny Porter and artist Ricardo Lopez Ortiz. Uh, They will be coming together to combine the world of movies and comic books in a three-issue monthly series that leads up to The Flash. In The Fastest Man Alive, Barry Allen's world-saving adventure with the Justice League has driven Central City's favourite son to become a truly skilled and inspirational superhero. But when a new threat by the name of Gerda emerges in Central City, Barry turns to Batman for advice on training to master his powers. Under the Dark Knight's tutelage, The Fastest Man Alive will have to find a way to defeat this metallic menace or be crushed by Gerda's strength. The 48-page debut issue arrives in participating comic book shops and digital retailers, excuse the cat, on Tuesday, April 26th, 2022, with a collection of the three-issue series already scheduled to hit stores and digital in October. Issue number one features a main cover by Max Fiamara, and you can check that out by heading over to our website. Don't forget that The Flash arrives in cinemas on November 4th, 2022. So yeah, this series is going to feature Ezra Miller's Flash alongside Ben Affleck's Batman. Uh, the preview art looks pretty awesome for it. There's uh, there's only a cover that we've seen so far, so there's not too much to give away what's going to be happening in this series. But it sounds like a really neat idea to catch up on what's been going on since Zack Snyder's Justice League before we hit this film. So make sure to check that out when it hits comic book stores and digital platforms in April. Don't forget that if you're looking to get more out of the Get Your Comic On podcast, you can now subscribe to us via Patreon. Subscribers get 24 hours early access to most of our podcasts, as well as exclusive episodes, bonus videos, and extra content. You can sign up now at patreon.com forward slash getyourcomicon. Before we get down to business on Catwoman Hunted, I want to talk about another film that we saw in the last uh, couple of weeks. I was really hoping to have Martin here to talk about this because I know he really enjoyed it, but... As I said at the top of this podcast, I've given him the week off because it's his birthday. But we went to a special screening of uh, Universal Pictures and Illuminations Sing 2. A huge thank you to both studios for inviting us along. This is the sequel to... um, What year was the original film? Oh no, I'm talking to him like he's here and he's not. Uh, So the original Sing film was 2016... Uh, yeah, it was 2016. Uh, so it's been a little while since the, we've had a film from this universe, but the cast is back. We have Matthew McConaughey as Buster Moon, Reese Witherspoon as Rosita, Scarlett Johansson as Ash, Tori Kelly as Mina, Taryn Edgerton as Johnny, Nick Kroll as Gunter, Garth Jennings as Miss Crawley, who's also the director. There's also uh, Jennifer Saunders, Chelsea Peretti, Bobby Cannavale, Nick Offerman, Adam Buxton, Eric Andre... Halsey, Letitia Wright, Pharrell Williams, Bono. There's a huge cast in this film. And it is so much fun. Uh, I think if you are looking for a film to take the family to, particularly young ones, there's so much to enjoy. It's one of those typical animated movies, uh, kind of from the Illumination style, really. There is a lot going on. That there's not necessarily a huge amount of depth to each of the plot lines. But there's enough that it's just a fun animated action adventure. And there's obviously so much music in this one once again. Uh, Plenty of contemporary pop music that plenty of uh, the kids out there will know. Uh, For me, personally, my highlight moment was Miss Crawley singing along to a bit of System of a Down. Uh, That's about the only time it touched any of my musical taste. But there we go. It's all very enjoyable nonetheless. And given that it's Illumination, the the animation is obviously top-notch throughout. It looks 
brilliant. We were lucky enough to see it on uh, on an IMAX screen, so you know, on that huge kind of screen, you can see some of the really fine detail that's in the the costuming and the the different. I'd say skin tones, but obviously they're, they're different animals. So, you know, there's scales, there's furry animals, there's there's so many different kind of textures and tastes is probably not the right word, but in there that there's just... I really admire the, the craft that Illumination put into making each of their titles. So it's it was just really, really fun to see, even though it was at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning and we were surrounded by screaming children. Um, but actually, little anecdote from that, there was a really funny moment where the kid in front of us uh, got very annoyed with the kids in front of him who were chatting and at one point just said shut up halfway through the film and then decided that actually he didn't really like Mr Moon so he just turned to his mum and said mummy I really hope the koala dies which I had to kind of bite my tongue from laughing so hard and distracting from the film because I just thought out of the mouths of babes as they say children never work with children or animals it's hard to even pick a favourite character. There's lots of character moments for each of them, so they do try and give all of the main cast their own individual storylines or, or moments that they can kind of stand out on their own and feature each of their voices and their characters. So there's there's not really a standout amongst this cast. It's, it's really nice to see how well-balanced it is. If I was being pushed, I would say I would have liked to have heard a bit more of Taron Edgerton in this film, just because he has such a nice singing voice. Uh, but it's always good to hear Scarlett Johansson blasting out some, some pop rock tunes. Sing 2 is in UK cinemas now. We got this film a lot later than the than US uh, audiences did. So if you're listening to this from America and you're wondering why we're just talking about Sing 2 now, that is because it released in the UK on uh, January the 27th. So we are a little bit behind you. But we are now catching up and uh, enjoying this film as much as we can. So definitely go and check it out if you get a chance. And let me know what you think if you do go and see it. You can find me on social media at Neil Vag, And don't forget, you can find us on all major platforms as at Get Your Comic Con. All of which leads us to the main attraction for this episode. So we are, or I say we, I am talking about Catwoman Hunted, the latest DC animated movie. This film releases on DVD and Blu-ray here in the UK on February the 7th and then releases on digital platforms on February the 8th. And I am very, very excited to announce that on February the 8th at 8pm UK time, I'm going to be hosting a watch party for Catwoman Hunted on Twitter. I'll be joined by my usual crew of DC cronies. So we'll have uh, Tasman, the aspiring Kryptonian, Nicola from We Have a Hulk, Luke Bug, the Geek of Steel, Kibler from the Brothers Geek Out podcast, and of course Paul from DC World. So on Tuesday, February the 8th from 8pm, we'll all be tweeting along whilst watching this film. If you haven't already seen the trailer, you can check it out over on our website. Let me just rattle off the cast list for you. Uh, so we have Stephanie Beatrice as Batwoman, Elizabeth Gillies as Catwoman, Lauren Cohan as Julia Pennyworth, Kelly Hu as Cheshire, Jonathan Banks as Black Mask, Keith David appears as Tobias Whale, you've also got Kirby Howell-Baptiste as Barbara Minerva, Jonathan Frakes, one of my favourites from Star Trek, as King Faraday, there's... I won't say too much more, actually, because I don't want to get into spoiler territory. You've also got Zira Fazal, who'll be joining us in just a second, who plays both Talia Al Ghul and Nosferatu. So I've been lucky enough to sit down with both Greg Reisman, who wrote this film, and, as I just said, Zira, who's one of the, the voice actors. You might also know her voice from the absolutely brilliant Young Justice animated series. So first, let's sit down with Greg and have a chat about writing and crafting the story of Catwoman Hunted. 
So take me, kind of take me back to the beginning. How did Catwoman Hunted come about for you? Uh, I was aware, I, this was, uh, we'd finished season three of Young Justice, uh, had not started season four, and I was aware uh, that DC and Warner Brothers Animation were interested in doing another anime style movie. Uh, they'd just done and had some success with uh, a Batman anime movie. And uh, I was aware they wanted to do another one. And I thought Catwoman would be sort of perfect for it. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Miyazaki's film, um, Lupin the Third, Castle of Cagliostro. Yep. And um, I uh, intentionally didn't rewatch it because I, I, I like the idea of being sort of influenced by it in my memory uh, from years previous, but um, I didn't want to be slavishly sort of following it yeah. uh, or stealing from it. <laughs> um, and... Uh, uh, so I didn't rewatch it, but I thought, you know, all those elements that I vaguely recalled from the movie sort of fit Catwoman's style, that sort of um, airy elan that she has, that uh, joyful fun that um, she can have over the caper, all of which masks a serious purpose. And um, I thought this would work in anime and I pitched it to uh, the gang at DC and Warner brothers. Um, and they said, yeah. And off we were to the races. <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, it does, it lends itself so well to this art style and it's so, it's so different from all of the DC animated movies that have kind of come before it, that it, it just, it really takes you back that it's, it's so beautiful to watch. I kind of, I feel like watching it, yeah, I can I see so many different incarnations of, selena carroll from over the years in this in this version like i can see comic versions of her i can see movie versions i can even see kind of echoes back to you know to adam west batman times and sort of eartha kit and julie newmar in there was it important to you to look back kind of across the character's history as a whole rather than focusing maybe on how she's represented in the comics at the moment it was i mean what i try to do when i adapt any character whether it's a dc character or, uh or something else uh is to get down to the core, the essence of what I think is archetypal about the character, what I think is essential about the character. And that means, yeah, you know, looking over for Catwoman, 75 to 80 years of history. I mean, the, my first exposure to Catwoman is, is exactly what you said. It was uh, Julie Newmar and yeah. the Kit. Um, but in those, in that version, she's pretty much just an opponent to Batman. Yeah. There are moments of sort of seductiveness in there. Um, but, you know, fundamentally she's playing the same role that Cesar Romero is as the Joker in that series, right? Yeah. Um, and then there have been a lot of versions since, you know, including Anne Hathaway and Michelle Pfeiffer and um, various versions and cartoons I've seen. And I'm also heavily influenced by the comics because, um, you know, when I was reading comics in the 70s, Selena was Bruce Wayne's girlfriend. Mm, yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, somehow didn't know that Bruce was Batman, which I thought was a neat trick. But um, <laughs> but they were uh, boyfriend and girlfriend, and, and their relationship was kind of wonderful. And um, 
And so that heavily influenced me. Um, and one thing you'll see at the very beginning of the movie is Selena in that classic costume with the skirt yes, uh, yes. slid all the way up to her hip and the long hair because from a nostalgia standpoint, that's the Catwoman I grew up with, right? And that's the one that I fell in love with. But I absolutely appreciate where Selena's gone in more modern times. So we, just as Selena says in the movie, we have an appreciation for the classics, but we're always up to date. And so my goal for this Catwoman was to create, uh, to get, like I said, get down to that essence so that when viewers saw that what appears on screen, they are simultaneously thinking, yes, this is classic Catwoman. This is the Catwoman that I've been waiting to see. And at the same time saying, um, I don't think I've ever seen a Catwoman like this before. Um, now, whether I succeeded in that, that's not for me to judge. But that was the goal, <laughs> is to have it feel both classic and contemporary, feel both iconic and completely fresh. And, um, and then on top of that, you have Elizabeth Gillies just doing an amazing job bringing the character to life. Um, I, she's forever going to be my Catwoman. Um, and, uh, I couldn't be happier with how it all turned out. It just, uh, it really feels right to me and I hope it does for the audience too. Oh, as far as I'm concerned, it landed perfectly for me. She, I mean, Elizabeth just disappears into the role which is exactly what you want and I think when you when you look at some of the best portrayals of of Selena Kyle over the years it's always the ones who you you forget who the actor is that's playing her as they have just disappeared into who she is and yeah I mean you touched on it there but we're so used to seeing her as kind of the opponent to to Batman it's it's great to see her have that breathing space to to kind of you know enjoy being herself and this kind of caper and adventure that she's on and I'm sure you've been asked this a lot but I I really appreciate the fact that you did separate her from Batman in this and that she was you know she's off and it's an international adventure for her rather than something Gotham based with all the usual rogues around was it in was uh, this is maybe the wrong word to use but was it an easy uh, choice to make to, to kind of separate her from Batman was that an obvious thing to do from the start uh it was I mean in the sense that we that was something in my original pitch for it was um, was the idea that uh, let's not put Batman in this movie at all um, you know he looms as a presence in the sense that he's definitely on her mind on Batwoman's mind here and there throughout the uh, throughout the piece but uh, but we didn't want him in there at all if he was there. He's such a titanic character, so big, that um, Selena becomes often in his presence, um, or at least it's easy for her to just become the antagonist or the opponent or the love interest or the foil. Um, and we didn't want that. We wanted her, we wanted this to be her movie. And so right out of the gate, I'm like, no Batman in this film at all. We're not going to pretend he doesn't exist, <laughs> but we're not. He's not in here. And then uh, a guy at DC, Ames Kirshen, suggested using Batwoman. And immediately I'm like, oh, my God, that's perfect. Because um, Batwoman stylistically 
is just about as different from Catwoman as you could get. Catwoman is all light, airy, Elon. You know, her sense of humor is playful. Um, Batwoman is all military, precision, <laughs> yeah. uh, pragmatic. Her, she's got a sense of humor, too, but it's laconic and extremely dry. Um, and so stylistically, I couldn't think of two characters further apart to have to both oppose each other and then team up with each other. And yet at the same time, what was, was interesting for me is that fundamentally they had so much in common and that by the end of the film, uh, again, if I've done my job right, the uh, viewer will feel like, wow, these two have a lot more in common than either of them would like to admit. <laughs> and, uh, and that was the goal, to, to contrast Selena's style light and airy style with her serious dark purpose and then likewise to contrast her with Batwoman's style but ultimately revealing that they both had very similar goals when push came to shove is that Laura in the background yeah that's me <laughs> okay just lacking alright Neil yeah. I think you have time for one more question Okay, uh, so uh, last question for me then. Um, obviously, the the and I don't no spoilers for anybody at home, but with uh, Selena kind of left, potentially moving on to another caper at the end of this. Have you kind of got in the back of your mind where you might like her to go next if the opportunity were to arise? Shall we say? Well, it's not up to me, and I don't want to make it sound like hey, we've got this in the works, but I do have. <laughs> I envision this as a trilogy. And uh -huh. so, yeah, I've got an idea of, of what happens next. Uh, I mean, it, it, you know, spoilers at the end of the movie, she's going to uh, uh, steal the crown jewels from the <laughs> Tower of London. But, uh, uh, but that's not the story that's next. Yeah. I mean, that's just sort of a fun thing to say at the end of this film. But, uh, um, but I, uh, I do have an idea for where to go with this. And, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, I think everyone wants to wait and see how this one does before they say, okay, yeah, Greg, do another movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I have my, my say, we'll be getting that trilogy sooner rather than later. Thanks to Greg for joining us for that interview. It was lovely to catch up with him. I, I was desperate to ask him about a whole bunch of other stuff, but we ran out of time. Um, you might know him from, again, his work on Young Justice. He's also one of uh, the original writers of the Gargoyles cartoon, which if you're of my age, then you will remember that as one of the biggest cartoons of the 1990s. It was outstanding, and I would have loved to have had a chance to chat with him about that. But anyway, we're here to talk about Catwoman Hunted. So I've had the chance to watch this film a couple of times now. It is a really cool and different entry into this DC animated universe. For a start, it has this anime style which is completely different to, to anything we've seen in any of the other movies. Even when you think about Batman Ninja, which was obviously very, very heavily Japanese influenced, it didn't really take on an anime kind of classic anime style like this film did. And you heard Greg talking there about some of his influences and the fact that he pitched this as an anime style movie. So it looks brilliant from start to finish. It's so visually striking and different to what we've seen before. 
Elizabeth Gillies is an outstanding voice of Catwoman. Uh, it's something which, again, I've talked about whilst doing interviews for this film, but I think the best voice actors are the ones who completely disappear and melt into a character, and I don't feel like when I watch this film, I think, as Elizabeth Gillies, as Catwoman, it's just Catwoman. She disappears into that role, and her voice is really stand out in that respect. And it's difficult when you think about Catwoman and you think about the... When you actually think about any portrayal of Catwoman, they're all iconic in their own respect. You think Julie Newmar, you think Eartha Kitt, you think Michelle Pfeiffer. And, you know, for, for what it's worth, you think Halle Berry. It might not have been the most blockbuster movie or most well-received movie, but people still remember her for a very individual performance of the character. You look at Anne Hathaway, you also think about... Um, Adrian Barbeau, who voiced her in the Batman animated series, and even looking to the future to Zoe Kravitz, we're still a month away from the release of The Batman, but already her portrayal seems very individual and very iconic in that respect. So fair play to Elizabeth for absolutely smashing it and, and making this her own from start to finish. Stephanie Beatrice is also absolutely wonderful as Batwoman. There's a great pairing between the two of them. Again, Greg just talked about it. They're so such polar opposites that it's interesting to pair them together. And as I said to him, I really appreciated the fact that this film stepped away from including Batman and allowed Catwoman to to inhabit the fact that this was her own solo title. As he said, having Batman in there doesn't make this a Catwoman movie. It makes it a either a Catwoman movie featuring Batman or a Batman movie which has a bit more focus on Selina Kyle. So I think for her to have stood on her own two feet and to carry this title, it absolutely needed to be that way and they carried it off very well. Great choices of villain, great use of the, the voice cast as well. Uh, I really appreciate all of the different actors that are that are in the mix there. And I think it escalates really, really well and fits well with her character. That whole kind of catch me if you can slightly jazzy espionage international country hopping sort of theme to it works really really well it's so different for the character it just it really allows her to become the focal point in this world and and i love it for that i think it's brilliant one of those amazing voice actors is uh, zero fazal who as i said is also from uh, young justice she plays two roles in this film. She plays both Talia al Ghul and the villain Nosferatu, both of whom make some memorable uh, appearances in this film. So it's over to Zira for her to tell us about how she got involved with this film and where those wonderful voices came from. How are you doing today? <laughs> oh, I'm doing great. I'm excited to sit down and talk about Catwoman. Oh, I am excited to talk about this film as well. It's great to talk about it. Um, so, we'll just dive straight into it. You get to play not one, but two very cool, very different characters. Uh, to start off, can you tell me yeah. a bit about Nosferata? Yes, so Nosferata is a fascinating character from DC Comics, who I think this is her first animated appearance. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, like her name betrays, she is a bat vampire-inspired villain. Um, and she, uh, you know, she, she, she works for whoever, whoever hires her. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a, a physical kind of role, even in terms of the voice for Nosferatu as well. Oh, yeah. What, what's that like when you're in the recording booth, kind of coming up with those action scenes? 
Yeah, absolutely. So usually in the way a lot of the recording process works is like the first pass, the first session you have is mostly the, just the lines, the dialogue. And then when the animation is more completed, they bring you in again to kind of fill in all the action okay. or the holes. And um, so the session where I got to do, it's called ADR, to like fill in her fighting sounds, it was so vocally strenuous <laughs> because, you know, you're creating the world of this fight. For the viewers to, to really, you know, key in and, and, and feel like they're immersed in this brutal fight. And this movie is so brutal. Like, there's so much, like, damage that's dealt out to all the characters. So it was so much fun. But it was, you know, I definitely needed a cup of tea after we were done. <laughs> well, it's got to be a good way to work out your aggression as well. That when You know, when you're trying to oh, totally. get all that out. Exercise some demons, yes. <laughs> and then, I mean... When when Nosferatu first appears in this film as well, it's got to be arguably the best entrance in this film. So, you know, she comes <laughs> swooping in on that rooftop, gets to go toe-to-toe with cool. Catwoman and Batwoman. So what, I mean, how is that for you when you get to watch that back when the film is kind of finished and you get to see the final animation? Oh, That's got to be really exciting. Honestly, Neil, it's exciting, but it also touches on a childhood thing. So <laughs> Greg Wiseman, who wrote this movie... Um, you know, created Gargoyles, yeah. which I was a huge fan of when I was a kid. So when I first saw the animation of Nosferatu in the final movie, I was like, oh my gosh, am I playing a gargoyle? <laughs> oh, it's your <laughs> like, gargoyles she, moment. She, exactly, exactly. It evokes a lot of those, like, fun, fuzzy childhood memories. So <laughs> I just, you know, I, it was so cool to see. And then obviously you voiced uh, Talia al Ghul before this as well in, in other projects, including yes. Young Justice. So when you yes. kind of thinking about that type of character who maybe fans know a little bit more just because, you know, they've, yes. they've been in more media over the years. When you're taking on a character like that, do you dive back into the source material when you're kind of searching for your for your voice for her? Yes. And no. So um, when you play a character like that, a legacy character, you know, that a lot of other people are going to have a hand on over the course of their existence, um, it's, you, you kind of want to think about what can I bring to it that is true for me, but also honor the source material, but also honor the specific story being told, right? Yeah. So every creator will have a slightly different take on these on these characters. So the Young Justice Talia might have slightly different motivations emotionally yeah. than the Catwoman Talia or the Batman, um, 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 the movie I did with Brandon Vietti, um, Batman... Death in the Family. Blanking on the, the famous comic... Death in the Family, thank you, thank you. Batman, Death in the Family, Talia is different. And so these emotional motivations will subtly change how the voice ends up sounding and of course input from our voice director Jamie Thomason is so crucial in shaping like what is the sound of Talia for this story yeah um so it's like a mix of all those things I was actually I was just going to touch on Jamie Thomason because obviously you will have worked with him before on, on Young Justice um yes. so what's that collaboration like as well is that a you know is there a good kind of free-flowing dialogue back and forth as to to how to take the you know diff do different takes Absolutely. Well, Jamie is so good and at working so efficiently, and he gets it out of you as the actor in many different ways, which is great for them, the, you know, the storyboard and animation teams, depending on how they're visualizing the scene. Jamie makes sure that he delivers the actor doing it a bunch of different ways so they can easily make it flow in their story. Um, and so I, I really love working with Jamie. He's so specific about what he wants. 
but you also feel free to do whatever is instinctually feels right to you. But yeah, it's, it's, it's always great collaborating with Jamie. Brilliant. I kind of, I feel like as well, where we leave uh, Talia in this film is such a tease for what could and I'm crossing my fingers and saying hope could happen in the future. Uh, I we, know! I, I think we need to see the two of them kind of, you know, getting involved in a, another one of these brutal fight scenes as well. Oh, totally. I mean, honestly, I would love a Talia al Ghul titled movie. Oh, yes. <laughs> because there's so much to that character that I feel has been teased at in all the yeah. media adaptations of her. But I think it's time for her to have her own unpacking. Give her um, a good story. And obviously, I would love to play her. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm here for that. I'm absolutely here for that. Again, a massive thank you to Zira and also to Greg for uh, sitting down with me to talk about this film. As I said at the top of this, uh, this piece, Catwoman Hunted, is hitting DVD and Blu-ray on February the 7th, 2022, and comes to digital platforms on February the 8th, which is also the day that you can sit down with me and a bunch of my DC mates and uh, do a watch party for this film. And that about wraps things up for this week's podcast. Next time when we're back, I do promise Martin will be back. I will have strapped him into a seat. I will have, you know, like forced him in front of a microphone. It just, I thought he deserved his birthday off. So we gave him a little break. Coming up in the next couple of weeks, we may have something bat related, but I don't know for sure yet. We will have to wait and see. Uh, we will be finishing our watch of Reacher, which is coming to Amazon Prime Video on the 4th of February. You can binge that one from start to finish all eight episodes. That's the new series starring Alan Richman, uh, who you may know as Hawk from Titans. What else have we got coming up? We may have seen a little bit of Picard, but we probably won't be able to talk about it just yet. We'll have to wait and see. But until next time, stay safe, stay well. Thank you for tuning in. Bye.